Welcome to the Total Wealth Academy radio show, where wealth includes much more than just money. It includes family, fitness, romance, and all the other parts of a balanced life. Listen and learn how 70% of the millionaires in America made their money using real estate. Now your host, real estate investor and consultant, Steve Davis. Happy Wednesday, everybody. This is Trevor Davis, Lead Wealth Coach up here at Total Wealth Academy with the Wednesday TWA radio show. I hope y'all are having a great week. I want to start off, as always, with our Einstein quote, the measure of intelligence is the ability to change. It doesn't matter where you started. It doesn't matter how far you've come. If you want to change, you have to make a change. And everything so far in your life is hard-coded and hard-programmed to keep you doing the exact same thing. And this is really important because this fact affects everybody, no matter how successful you would consider them. And maybe let's think of a massively successful person as an example. And let's just say Tony Robbins, for example. Everything that Tony Robbins has done so far has led him to the point that he is at, but if he decides that he wants to change, he, even he is going to have to fight against the programming that has got him to that point. And that point could be awesome to most people, no doubt, but if you're at that point and you want something more, you can't just rely on the same old things entirely. There's going to be a bunch of things you can rely on for sure, but you know for a fact that you can't rely on 100% of it to get to the next level, whatever that looks like for you, whatever that may be. And definitely a message for people that have started off in less than ideal scenarios, you are not required to obey the culture that you were born in. You are not required to obey the influences from your friends that have been given to you. You have no obligation whatsoever to soothe their egos just so you don't have to do what you really want to do. That's not how the world works in reality. That's how we like to act, how it works. But there is not a rule that says If you started in a less than ideal environment that you have to follow all the rules that were given to you there, or you have to stay in that type of situation. Like this is what you deserved and the wealth and success that other people have in the rich class is not something that you could get. That's a whole bunch of garbage. And it's very destructive garbage because it's wasting people's lives. It's wasting people's opportunities. If you want to make a change, don't just take it from me, but take it from Albert Einstein. The true measure of intelligence is the ability to change, no matter where you're at or how much change needs to be affected. So, of course, there are a lot of common themes that we investigate and reinvestigate on the show and Steve's show. And one I want to touch on today is fear, because fear is a core component of our decision-making at all times. 
And it doesn't matter how, quote unquote, fearless you get or disciplined you get. There is always going to be fear there. Doesn't matter if you're the Tony Robbins or you're the Drake. It doesn't matter how wealthy or rich you are. There's still going to be fear influencing your decisions. Now, there's a slide in the free sample class that I'm I'm really going to edit formally for tomorrow's class finally because I already address it and it's just the Saturday class is not something that's going to eliminate your fears or our educational system is not going to be something that completely eliminates your fears because that's impossible. That's not going to ever happen. Our objective, one of the things that people join us for, is to understand how real estate works, how investing and building wealth works through one avenue, specifically real estate. So if you want to open a restaurant, if you want to open a different type of business, you know, you can make some connections here, I have no doubt, but you would definitely need to go to a specialized group for those particular types of businesses. If it was the restaurant, go to a restaurant support group or a makeup shop, you need to go to a cosmetic group to find out that information. You have to go to the qualified sources. But back to the fear specifically, this is a quote from a book that I read on a daily basis. It's my little yellow book. And I have this on my coffee table and every morning before I leave for work, or wake up on the weekends when I don't work. It's called, it's always, it always seems impossible until it's done. And that, of course, is a quote, but that's the name of this book by Catherine and Ross Petrus, Motivation for Dreamers and Doers. And it's a collection of quotes, one page at a time. And I read two pages at a time. So I open the book, flip it open. You've got one quote on one side, one quote on the other, and I read it every morning. And this morning's quote I absolutely love because it really solidifies and crystallizes this point about fear that I'm making. So it's by the writer Stephen Pressfield. He says, The amateur believes he must first overcome his fear. Then he can do his work. The professional knows that fear can never be overcome. He knows there is no such thing as a fearless warrior or a dread-free artist. And I think that is extremely resonant and important because I know for a fact, talking with tons of people and being a person myself, I thought that you had to eliminate your fear before you could take action. So looking back in the past and thinking about some of the decisions I've made where I decided not to do something because the fear was not 100% eliminated, I have no doubt that I missed missed out on several good opportunities. And I think almost all of us, when we think about that, can find at least one example today of an opportunity that they passed up because they thought they had to eliminate 100% of their fear. Now, we have to make sure that we're making a distinction between the good old-fashioned fear 
what Steve likes to say, jumping out of an airplane without a parachute. That's something that's important because if you jump out of a parachute, out of a plane without a parachute from 10,000 feet or more, you're going to hit terminal velocity of almost 200 miles an hour and you're going to hit the ground at 200 miles an hour. It's not the speed that is going to hurt you or kill you. It's a sudden stop. It's not been done successfully ever before. But there's a very big difference to the other things that we're talking about that have been done successfully before, and yet we're still afraid of them. Once we get back from the break, folks, we will continue about fear. Stay tuned to the Total Wealth Academy radio show. money in an IRA, 401k, or other retirement account, you can use it to invest passively in real estate without tax or penalty. Our average rate of return is three times that of the stock market and mutual funds with much less volatility. If you have over $70,000, you can start passive investing today. Please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. That's TotalWealthAcademy.com for reservations. Thank you. Welcome back to the Total Wealth Academy Wednesday radio show with your host, Trevor Davis. We were just really going into some of the details about fear, which is something that we investigate quite often on the show because it is so important. It is something that influences your decisions at all times because it is a core, and I need to emphasize core and fundamental part of our primitive brain. I mean... We have to be talking about the very most primitive parts of our brain that requires us to avoid danger so we can survive. And survival is really the number one need of our brain at all times. So it has to hard code avoidance of what we've identified as dangerous, as fearful. And I think something that comes as a challenge to a very intelligent species like a human, and I get it when people want to be very cynical about saying that humans are intelligent and want to knee-jerk react and say that we're not, or people are dumb, and this, that, and the other. I mean, let's cool it down for a second, because we landed on the moon, we have doctors and engineers creating radical advances in medical technology, building some of the most impressive structures humanity has ever known, and no other animal on the planet is doing anything like that. So I don't really buy into the idea that humans are not intelligent. I think that's ridiculous. Clearly we are, and clearly that's proven by the fact that you get to hear me talk, you get to process this information, and it's all conveyed with just a bunch of crazy different sounds coming out from my mouth through electronic waves, invisibly traveling through the air to your car, radio in your house, or podcasts over the internet. Pretty cool stuff. So as we've gotten more intelligent, our fear has gotten more intelligent. It's gotten more clever. And that's not necessarily the best thing because it's very easy for us to not only identify the real dangers, like jumping out of a plane without a parachute or a car speeding at you in the middle of the street, but we start connecting fear to all sorts of other things that are not necessarily as dangerous, 
or not necessarily dangerous in the first place. Because we have such active, intelligent minds, that fear part of us has actually more fuel, I argue, for creating fearful scenarios in our heads. Now, I talk about this a lot, but the example that's so important is the monster in the room whenever you were a kid. You had a monster under the bed or maybe in your closet, and it affected your fear. It affected your decision-making to get out of bed in the morning, get out of bed in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, go to sleep at night, many, many things. And we know the monster was never real, but I think that's such an important example because if the danger there and the risk there is connected with just low light levels, darkness, pitch black, you know, you want to avoid going into places like caves or snake pits and you don't want to get grabbed by a bear or a saber-toothed tiger or something whenever we were in the caveman days. But obviously there's not a monster in your house, but for some reason our brains are able to create one, whatever that could be. And then as we get become adults, we start connecting fear to all of these other things that are not as dangerous or even dangerous in the first place. And it comes through a lot of belief that's been given to us by other people who have more or less given up and are out there to jade everybody else. And it's not necessarily because they're jading people with conscious purpose, but they've become jaded, so they're conveying a jaded attitude towards life itself. And that crap rubs off on you whether you like it or not. This could be a friend, this could be a loved one, this could be a trusted colleague who's otherwise a joy to be around, but they just don't have the right outlook, the right attitude when it comes to taking care of whatever their business is or even doing something like starting their own business. So fear is out there. Fear is is in our decision-making, and it's very, very strong, very convoluted. We have to keep conscious of the fact that fear is going to be there no matter what. We believe that the best way to manage fear is through education, through knowledge, through understanding, and disciplined practice in something that's otherwise fearful. I mean, practice could be done with something like jumping off a diving board into the pool. I think that was another thing that scared a lot of people as, as kids. That terrified me when I was a kid. Jumping off the diving board the first time felt like my whole soul was falling out of my body into the sky and I was just watching myself fall down into the water. Sort of scary experience. And then you land in the water. I already knew how to swim, of course. I was completely fine. So if you keep practicing something like that, you start connecting the fact that you're not getting injured, you're not getting harmed, you start to see the fear getting smaller and smaller and smaller. It's never going to go away completely, but it starts to get more and more manageable. A small fear is, of course, a lot easier to manage than a big one. So the fear that holds back most of us 
most Americans is, I mean, really opening your own business, going into real estate, buying a house for an investment purpose, or opening up a company with an idea that you've had for, you know, maybe you just thought of it, or maybe you've had it for years and years and years, or maybe you've had it ever since you were a kid, but you just haven't done it because your fear has been validated by other people, by yourself, but by inaction too. If you want to cultivate that business attitude, you have to practice the business attitude. You have to surround yourself with people that are in businesses, opening businesses. And if you want to do it successfully, you have to associate with successful business people. That's why the networking at a group like us is so important if you want to be a successful real estate investor because it's the general principles of doing it, but then it's all the small devils and the details that you don't really get until you're talking to someone one-on-one in person. All those little tips. And above all, just the attitude of somebody that's done it if that's something that you want to do. Because you're not going to learn how to become a successful real estate investor from your parents who have never invested in real estate or your best friend who's never invested in real estate or your teacher who's never invested in real estate. You have to go to the people that know how to do it with this specific thing. And again, if it's something else that gets you out of bed in the morning, you need to go out there and find those people. You need to pick their brains, ask them what needs to be done, and if they don't help you, then you find the person that can, or hopefully they'll give you a reference. That's usually what happens, but you have to be surrounding yourself with those types of people. There's the change here, too, when it comes to the group of people that we're surrounded with. We're never saying abandon your friends, abandon your best friend, abandon your family because that's ridiculous. That's not healthy for most people. And of course, maybe there are situations that that has to be done for some of those people. But for most people, it doesn't. But you have to have a group somewhere that's got the success that you want and has the resources to help you achieve it if that's what you really want to do. I mean... Is that what you really want to do? I would hope the answer would be yes. Because you can listen to the radio show and get the sense that, oh, yes, he's right, he's right, he's right. But I don't just want to be right. I want you to understand how this is important for you and why this is something that you literally can do when it's something that's All these other people have done successfully. So the thing that's been done successfully is, of course, what we talk about with real estate. That is jumping out of a plane with a parachute. I think that's one of the best ways to describe the feeling of doing your very first house. Because you're straight up jumping into a dangerous situation, more or less, a risky situation, not going to mince words about it because you've got to put money down. And if you screw it up, you could lose that money. So don't screw it up. Make sure, if you're jumping out of the plane, that your parachute is going to open. 
check it two times, three times, four times, five times, six times, or more. Oh, and have a professional take a look at it, perhaps. Because whenever you pack a parachute, you have to be a professional parachute packer. And the backup parachute has to be done by a super experienced parachutist. So in case you screwed up your regular parachute, the backup one is virtually guaranteed to open. So there's a lot of protections here to make sure that jumping out of a plane, our buying a piece of real estate is going to work out for you. It's still going to be that feeling. It's still going to be terrifying, but you're still going to do it because you packed your parachute correctly. We're at the halfway point, folks, of the Total Wealth Academy radio show. We will be right back. market was never designed to build wealth. It was designed to keep up with inflation. The average rate of return over the last 75 years is about 7%. You'll get that even with the ups and downs. If you want a higher rate of return and less volatility, consider real estate. We make about three times as much as the stock market. Please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. That is TotalWealthAcademy.com for reservations. Thank you. All right, everybody, we are back at the halfway point with the TWA Total Wealth Academy radio show. I'm your host, Trevor Davis. If you all want to call in and talk about some of these fear questions that we've raised, some of these aspects of fear that we may not have thought about before, or maybe think about it in a new way, I would love to hear your input, 281-558-5738. That's 281-558-5738. Or you can send me an email, trevor at totalwealthacademy.com. And as always, if you want a copy of the free PDF of Richest Man in Babylon, just send me an email, trevor at totalwealthacademy.com, and put in the subject line book or radio show, and I will send that over to you lickety split. So stock market update, same dealio every week. We are still looking at negative drops in all three of the major indices that I look at, the Dow Jones, S&P 500, and NASDAQ. And of course, we see ups and downs, little peaks and dips as we head to an overall down market. Now, it looks like the Dow Jones went up a little bit, I guess. So the loss this year is now at negative 12.39%, which is right at where I started a while ago. From a high of negative 19.82 loss, S&P still sitting strong at a loss of negative 17.99%. Obviously, I use the word strong there ironically. And NASDAQ, our biggest loser, as always, sitting at negative 28.49% loss year to date, down from the high we had of negative 33.88% two weeks ago. So two weeks ago was our biggest loss, so it looks like we're kind of in a small little uptick here in our downward spiral to our latest economic recession that has been extended in its start date by literally twice the amount of length as the average time 
between the normal recessions, which was seven to eight years. 2008 was 14 years ago, so we're right at twice the amount of time passed. Pretty crazy, pretty significant, and really, if nothing else convinces you that this is going to be a very strong recession, it should be the fact that we've had such a strong high market for so long. And one thing that really helps me stay clear about this is to not only look at it from a historical perspective, which shows the differences between the up and high markets consistently, but to look towards the future as well. Because when even I get the sneaking idea, the vainly, foolishly optimistic idea that it's not going to be that bad of a down market, and optimism's not really the right word, just... It's just vainly hopeful, perhaps, but it's going to be pretty bad. And if we're just going to continue to bet against history that it's not going to be that bad, we're probably not going to pay out. But then the idea, when we look towards the future, that somehow for the rest of our lives, there's just never going to be another severe down market ever again. That's not going to happen, folks. And when every single sign now points to a down market, do you really want to bet against that happening? I do not advise or recommend doing so. You have to start making moves with your stock portfolios. If you haven't done so already, you need to do so as soon as possible. That's one of the biggest things that Steve teaches during the Saturday course is how to use the retirement accounts if you have them to put it into something like real estate because you don't have to just keep it there as it goes down in value. I mean, you can't take it all out and then the funds that you earn with those proceeds go back into the retirement account, but it doesn't have to sit there and just go down, down, down while you wait and wait and wait for it to go back up, up, up. We all probably know at this point how the ups and downs of the stock market work, so I don't need to beat that dead horse any further. I really, really hope that I don't. So a bit of evidence today in terms of what's going on with the housing market specifically is actually, well, music to the ears of a real estate investor like myself and going to be music to the lot of real estate investors too. But not really music to the ears of real estate agents because this is kind of not good news necessarily for them. It's not bad per se. It's just something that happened that's going on with them. But this is an article from WFAA, which is the ABC news station up in the DFW area. And they're talking about active real estate agents in the areas of DFW, Austin, and Houston. Now, specifically here, they're talking about Dallas itself. And I think a lot of people know that you combine Dallas and Fort Worth and the surrounding suburbs, and the Metroplex is like the exact same size as the Houston Metroplex. I mean, we're like twin brothers that kind of have beef with each other and all that. Now, in Dallas, the active agent... And everywhere, 
They're defined as selling one house in a calendar month. And it's pretty shocking when you look at the numbers just total because it seems to be so small. But the number of active agents in Dallas fell to 756 in September last month from 947 in August. So this is a telltale sign of what is quoted as a rapidly cooling housing market in Texas in the major metro areas. And to reemphasize, I mean, only 756 people in the city of Dallas proper are active real estate agents. I mean, that really shows you, I mean, how many agents out there are not doing squat with their license and are paying the fees and I mean, I don't, I don't really know what the plan is there, but that money's not doing you any good if you're not going to make money off of it. So th- that's, that's just crazy to me that that's literally how small that number is to begin with. In Austin, this is a huge drop. This is a 50%, over 50% drop. Active agent count in Austin 810 in August, 389 in September. Now, let's talk about a specific case study example of the extremes of high and low markets. Austin, I love Austin. I went to school in Austin. And I know that Austin is an extremely high real estate market over the last COVID years, the COVID years. Let's just call it that. So when the market shifts, is it the market that was the hottest that gets the most messed up or the market that was pretty warm that gets most messed up? The hottest market gets most messed up. The place with the highest market gets the most messed up. The higher you go, the farther down you have to fall. So the city of Austin has seen an over 50% reduction in active agents over the last two months. That's pretty dang radical for the Austin real estate market. Pretty, pretty insane, to say the least. And then for Houston, finally, I'm sure you wanted me to get to this first. We had 2,450 agents active in April. We're now down to 1,674 in September. So that's almost a 33% drop in active agents in the whole Houston area. So that's going to be roughly about the amount of agents you have in the whole DFW area for perspective. So we're seeing here in Houston and Dallas both right around a 30% drop in agents. That means that these people are not getting listings or they're not selling them fast enough. They are not able to move as many properties, so they're not doing sales to begin with. And sometimes that means these other agents end up having more on their plate, which really shows you how the cream rises to the top in real estate agency because there's really... Only two kinds of agents out there, the ones that know what they're doing and the ones that have no clue. This is going to be another example of that during these down markets that we transition to because the inventory is going to be there. The inventory is going to increase 
during the down market. And there's one point where people make where they say, well, why are people going to sell during the down market like usual when we had these radically low interest rates before? Well, for a lot of reasons. They get laid off. Their company restructures them. They get a pay cut. They have to take an opportunity in a different area to get that same amount of income. Lots of things change during a down market, and a slightly better interest rate is not going to be enough coverage for the average person. And keep in mind that even with the interest rate increases over the last couple of months, we're still less than 10%, and that's still well within historic low rates. So don't think that just because the interest rates were low that that's going to forever prevent a housing market crash. That's not enough for people to decide that they can stay in their house. Does it make it slightly less expensive? Sure. But with $20,000 pay cuts or getting laid off, that's a to zero pay cut. You can't afford a house no matter what interest rate it's at. Make sure that you're getting ready for these changes here as we see these signs in the real estate agent world that the down market's not just coming for stocks, it's also coming for the real estate market as well. Music to our ears. I hope it's music to your ears as well. We'll be back in just a minute for the final segment of today's show, y'all. I'm Trevor Davis. Y'all stay tuned. an old joke. When is the best time to buy real estate? 20 years ago. When is the second best time? Today. And this is truer than ever with the impending recession and the correction that's going on right now. Real estate investors are going to make millions of dollars in the next few years because of the recession. You should take advantage of it as well. To find out how, please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. TotalWealthAcademy.com. Just click on the free sample class button. Thank you. We are back for the final segment today of the Total Wealth Academy radio show. I want to conclude today's show with a topic that we were actually discussing last week on Saturday for our free sample class because we get to a section during the class where we talk about retirement and retirement's on everybody's mind. And maybe it's not on the mind of somebody who's not even 10 years old yet, but it's on the mind of people that are in high school, college, out of college, working 30, 40, 50, 60 years old. You know, we take the attitude towards work as the means to an end with the end being retirement. Now, we make a point that retirement just isn't what it's cracked up to be. And during the Saturday class, a guy started laughing, and he was actually pretty confused about it because he thought that retirement was the ultimate goal. He thought that everybody was supposed to try and get to retirement as quickly as possible and then do that for the rest of their life. And this approach is a little bit disorienting 
because a lot of times when we get there, it's not at all what we expected. The first point we make is that when you're sitting on the beach all day, and we have a picture of a guy clearly in his late 70s, early 80s on the beach, sunglasses, holding up a cocktail, looking back at us sitting on the beach chair. And that's often the image of retirement. You know, not, not so much just the fact that we're sitting on the beach relaxing, but also that we're old and gray and we're not young anymore, that's for sure. That's retirement. So what happens to everybody I've talked to that's gotten to a financial position at any phase in life to consider themselves retired is that they don't want to be retired anymore within about a couple of months normally. And really for everybody, it's been well within a year. And that's still an awful long vacation time once you get down to it, and that's really great, but you don't want to be stuck in the retirement mode forever. It looks like we have a caller today, Philip, um, from Pearland, regarding tenant-breaking lease. Philip, can you hear me? Yes, Trevor. How you been? Good. How are you? Doing excellent. How can I help today? Okay, just a question. Um, the uh, just like I said, the tenant basically broke the lease, and the way that they did is they let me know that they were leaving the uh, property like five days before end of the month. So when they send me that, I'm like, look, you know, you are breaking the lease. The you're supposed to let me know at least thirty days for the lease, and that is all uh, written on the lease. Yep. And, and um. The person is like, well, you know, can you do something because, you know, it's a health and all this. I'm like, look, you know, uh, I don't think that, you know, there's nothing really to say. Which actually, initially I kind of left it kind of like that Uh because I was thinking, well, you know, I go and inspect and see, you know, how they they live in the property. So when I went and left uh, and, and did the inspection with them, there were so many things that need to be now fixed. I'm like, look, you know, you broke, you're breaking the lease. Plus, look how many damage I need to now get re- uh, uh, repair. Yeah. So she's like, well, I understand and all that. So we left it pretty much like that. Yeah. And later on, I think that it was like a, like a couple of weeks later, she texted me, hey, you know, uh, are you refunding me the... Uh, the uh, Deposit? The deposit. <laughs> exactly. I'm like... No, remember that I sent you this copy of the lease where the... Oh, that. So... She's like, well, you know, that I don't get that is fair. And then at the end, she basically said, well, I'll see you in court. So I just left it like that because at that point I'm saying, look, now I'm not going to be arguing this by text or nothing like that. So I just left it like that. So, but, you know, then the question is, okay, if they decide to go into this, um, even though it's plain and clear in this that they broke the lease, do I need to be concerned is to bring in a lawyer or something like that. Well, are they already out of the property? Yes. Actually, actually, I got, uh, they did last month, and uh, I just got a, a lease now signed, and uh, the new tenants are moving um, next Tuesday. Okay, that's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to hear about that situation. That that sucks. I mean, that that is not a fun situation to be in at all. Um, but 
I'll tell you, just the threat of a suit right there, um, if there's nothing else that shows that she's in the wrong, it, it, that's it. I mean, they didn't pay rent. There's a lease that shows they have to pay this rent at this time, and they're breaking the lease, of course. So that's really a double whammy. So what would what would happen is it would really and most likely get dismissed immediately because you can show that they didn't pay, they broke the lease, and as a stipulation in every lease that's used in Texas, if that happens, you get to keep the deposit as damages. I mean, that's not something that she's going to have anything successfully to go against you. Okay. And that, that's what I saw because, like you said, you know, there is a specific, when you go to this section that is the, the, the direct deposit, right, there it said, you know, that it's, it's clear, it's bold in, in bold letters and, and even highlight, uh, I do have it like uh, underlined it too. So, Good. Yeah. Now, uh, that's, that's pretty much what I, I appreciate, you know, your, your uh, input on this one. So. Yeah, ab- absolutely. So the new tenant... I mean, you screen them good. Everything should be okay there. Um, but it sounds like that situation just water under the bridge at this point. But yeah, I mean, the peace of mind here is that if she tries to do something, it nothing is going to happen. I mean, if she decides to come at you with legal counsel, then I would advise getting yourself lawyered up as well. But that's very unlikely to happen. I mean, if she wants to do that, she's going to be spending thousands of dollars for what? Like a Fourteen, fifteen hundred deposit or whatever it was. It's just not practical at the end of the day once she cools off and understands what's really going on here. And also, what I'm thinking is, you know, whoever, even if they find a legal, you know, whoever is doing that, they they're gonna read that and, and pretty much say, hey, you know, here it is. I don't know if uh, who knows, but no one's gonna take the case. I'll tell you that. No one's gonna be interested in that. They're. No, no reasonable legal counsel is going to want to take a case they know for sure they're going to lose. No one in real estate experience with that who's been to court knows how landlord friendly the state is and how landlord friendly judges are in general. And of course, some aren't, but it's just not going to work out for it's not going to work out for them. Okay, sounds good. I appreciate your uh, input on that and your uh, opinion on that, uh, Trevor. Have a great day. Yeah, no problem, Philip. Take care. Thanks for calling in. Okay, so back to our retirement discussion. And yeah, one one definite important note to take away from that is in that situation, if they're just going to act like they're going to leave and they haven't paid rent, you always have to make sure that you're giving your three-day notice on the 4th. Um, it sounded like that wasn't an issue in this scenario, but if they're going to try and play loose with the rules and wishy-washy and say, yeah, we're going to move out next week, and yeah, we don't have the rent, but we're going to move out soon, and you don't cover your own butt by starting the eviction process, you're going to be in serious trouble because they may decide to stay, and then however late you end up filing is however late you're going to have the eviction process done. Do not ever make that exception. Ever, 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 ever. Always give a three-day notice on the 4th. Always file for eviction on the 7th. 
and make sure you screen your tenants. Make sure you find a process that can do com comprehensive background checks. Follow all the laws when it comes to that. Always screen every person that is 18 and up and get references, not just from the previous landlord, but the previous, previous one. If you can, you have to vet your tenants as much as possible. That's the number one thing to make sure you have a good experience as a landlord. And yes, even with all of that, sometimes things do go wrong. That is one of the inherent risks of real estate, one of the fears about real estate. I wish we had enough time to really dive into that one, but let me wrap it up with our retirement point. Retirement sucks. For everybody that I've talked to, you'll talk to Steve about it. Retirement sucks. It's not what it's cut out to be. Um, this article that I was looking at that I'm not going to get into with the time we have left, but sacrificing living today for an uncertain tomorrow is not the best strategy. You're looking to get income as soon as possible to enjoy the best possible life for as long as you can by building wealth for the present, not for being age 65 and 70. Not just for being age 65 and 70, because you don't want to just be rich when you're that age. You want to be rich now, so you have to build wealth now. Thank you all so much for tuning in today, and thank you so much for our call today, Philip. I really appreciate it. I will not be here next Wednesday because I'll be in Florida for the Tony Robbins event, but I will see y'all in two weeks. Y'all take care, and I will see y'all in two weeks. Y'all have a good Wednesday. You've been listening to the Total Wealth Academy radio show. Please remember that this show is for entertainment purposes only and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investing advice. Always get a professional opinion before making any investment decisions. To find out more about coaching and consulting at Total Wealth Academy, visit TotalWealthAcademy.com and attend one of our free sample classes on real estate investing. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.